He is one of the very few men in history that most people can recognize by one name, and no name can ever be as important. Everyone knows of Jesus Christ, but how much do we know Jesus Christ? Join us as we dive deeper into his life, his teachings, and most importantly, his love, and together we can grow closer and build a personal relationship with him. This is Light of the World in Focus. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Glad the World in Focus. Thank you for joining us and hoping to have a great, great podcast here today. So we'll just dive right in. Um, so we are, we should be finishing up chapter 18 in Jesus the Christ today. Hopefully we haven't been, um, I, I talk a lot about the subject, which I guess is good. So yes, you're getting your money's worth. So Anyway, no more stuff. Let's jump into it. So we're going to pick up. So last last week we covered uh, kind of the end of John the Baptist, some things about that. We're just going to move on to um, right, right after then. So there was a Pharisee that basically invited Christ to come over and have a meal with him, right? Like, hey, come over for dinner. It'll be a jolly good time. And so... He does. Um, and I want to start off on a lighter note, because in the in the scriptures, this is what he says. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I would like to think that um, Luke, this is from the Gospel of Luke, he saw an opportunity for a great pun, because it says sat down to meet, but it's not M-E-E-T, it's M-E-A-T, because they were eating. And so I saw that, and it actually has cultural significance, that phrase. It's not just a pun. But I would like to think that Luke was just like, I have to I have to add this. This is just great. So I feel like someone should make a list of puns that we can find in the Bible. Um, and I never really realized that that was a thing until, like, puns in the Bible might be a thing until this. So that's what I learned. Um, and we could just stop right there because I think that's the most important thing you could get out of this. But we'll continue just for time's sake. Um, and so uh, um, this this may have occurred um, during the day of John's messengers visiting him. Um, that we last that we talked about last week, and so. Um, Christ, he accepts the invitation of, of the Pharisees. You know, he never really denied anyone. I mean, he invited, he accepted the invitation of Nicodemus to meet at night. Right. And all these, all these other things. And so of course he, he, uh, um, he, he, he accepts it, but it seems that, um, the, this meeting was kind of, where I put it, um, hostile, right? Not not hostile, just like cold and, you know, not, he's not inviting Christ over because he likes him. Let's just say that much. And we can, we can, um, we can assume this because it, it was tradition back in the day when you have a distinguished guest, right? Um, that when you when you got them, you'd receive them with a kiss of welcome, provide them water for washing the dust off their feet, and oil for anointing the hair and of the beard, right? It was just custom. If you had someone coming over that was notable, right, to show respect to, um, then uh, 
um, you would you'd provide him these things. And it's assumed that the reason he had he had Christovers because Christ was you know making a big hubbub around, right? Everyone knew of him, right? He he um, so to have these not these gifts not present was kind of a um, uh, kind of a little signal that that the Pharisee's name is Simon, uh, if I remember right, yeah, Simon is uh, a little bit cold towards towards his visitor. And so while well, they sit down, um, and the custom back in the day, um, and I know, don't worry, it's not all going to be about ancient Hebrew customs. It's going to make, it's going to wrap it back together. Um, it was custom back in the day for when you eat, it'd be slightly reclined, facing the um, facing the table with your legs, legs extended outwards. So kind of imagine like a picnic, right? The picturesque, the guy's laying there looking at his girl, right? With his legs sprawled out. Picture it kind of that situation, except there's all like facing facing the table, um, which I think sounds pretty nice, honestly. You get to like lay down, although I might fall asleep during dinner, or if I was on a date, that'd be kind of embarrassing. But moving on. So this is the set scene, right? Christ, um, I'm sure some of his disciples were there, uh, apostles. If all of them were there, we don't know. Um, at least it doesn't say in Jesus the Christ, and so I assume it. We don't know because he does a pretty darn good job at uh, at following the Bible meticulously. Um, and just like you guys should notice it because you should be reading Jesus the Christ along with this. Um, anyway, so this is the scene. They're all sitting there, and it's not unusual for this time for for uh, passerby by passerbys. People passing by to stop in, uh, unannounced, right? Just walk in. You don't have to knock on the door. You would just walk in. Um, sometimes it'd be friends. Sometimes it's complete strangers, and it's not. It's just custom for them to walk in to start talking to them, right? Which would be a little bit weird nowadays, but that's just what they did. Um, and so while while they are having this meal, um, this woman uh, walks in. And though it's it's not un, it's not forbidden for a woman to come in like that. It might be a little bit unusual, um, be for the social protocols. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, what are you doing in here? Just like, oh, this doesn't happen all the time, right? But but uh, um, this woman, she seems to be one of what might be called the fallen class, right? Someone who is. Uh, um, been ostracized by the by the society as a whole due to past sins, past transgressions, right? And so everyone would mock and scorn her for that. Um, and so it, it's clear that you know she's a far class. She's maybe done some things in the past that uh, that she's not proud of. And um, but what she what happens here is really kind of beautiful. So what happens? She she accro- approaches Christ and uh, bends low to kiss his feet as a mark of humility on her part um, and to kind of acknowledge the authority that he has. Um, and uh, um, she she might have just before um, Christ had told the masses, right, come to me that are heavy laden. She might have been one that heard that. Um, we, don't, we don't know exactly know where she comes from or who she is. Um, um, People have tried to say she's this person or this person, but there's no biblical support for that. So I'm not going to try and say who it was because I don't know. 
Um, but whatever her motive or who she wasn't coming, and certainly she'd come in a deep repentant state. Um, and you can tell this because she was so, I don't, I don't want to say like oblivious, but just, or not caring, but she focused on Christ. She didn't, she didn't think that, oh, I'm interrupting this dinner. I'm doing this, right? She was so, um, she was so focused on Christ and, um, uh, she apparently is crying a lot and she washes, washes Christ's feet with her tears and her hair, you know, as, as a, um, again, show respect, kind of the same thing as like leaving out some water to wash the person's feet. Um, and then she opens a box with ointment and anoints, anoints her feet. Um, and Christ just lets this all happen. He, he lets her continue to do this. Doesn't say anything. Um, as she continues with this, with this process. Well, just like other times, you might notice this is a trend. Um, the Pharisees, in this case, Simon, his thinks to himself, um, maybe thinks to himself, basically, hey, if this guy was who he claims to be, you know, a prophet, a son of God, then he would know what kind of woman this is, and she would not let him, let him touch him because she's a sinner. And of course, like we know before Christ and kind of, read the thoughts of others, right? And sees this opportunity to teach people. Um, and so, uh, what Christ turns and gives kind of a, a parable or of analogy, whatever you want to call it, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I'll just read it. I'll just read it from you. We'll break it down. He says, uh, um, Simon, I have someone to say unto thee, to which the Pharisee replied, Master, say on. Um, Jesus continued to say, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they both had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Um, and so Simon thinks thinks uh, thinks about it and reasonably says, Well, obviously the guy that had 500 pence instead of 50 pence that he owed. Um, and Christ says, um, That's right, that, you know. But so he's like, you, you thought, well, that's that's the right answer. He's going to forgive him most. Right. He's going to love him most. Um, but but look here. So this woman that entered thy house, she. Um, well, I'll just read what he says. Thou hast rightly judged or basically you got it right. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house and thou gavest me no water for my feet. She hath washed my feet with her tears and walking with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, did not cease to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Um, just, and he's calling him out, like, um, you've, she has done all this stuff, and to you, you she's, you, um, nothing has been done. And so what, what's kind of the purpose of Christ sharing this parable, Right. Of, of the guy who forgave 50 and the guy who got, who got forgiven 500, right? Um, so he, he turns, and I'm sure that, that Simon uh, recognized it the same way. It kind of reminds you of, um, James E. Talmadge points out in the book, it reminds you of the story um, of the prophet Nathan and his parable he had given to King David. Um 
to, to tell him well, what he done is wrong with Bathsheba, right? Kind of that self-incrimination, right? Um, so here's Christ's answer for that. He says, Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Um, and then he, he says to the woman, um, my sins are forgiven thee, which I'm th I think is one of the most wonderful um, sentences you could ever hear come from, from Christ's mouth, right? The relief that must come over because of that. Um, and then he says, thy faith have saved thee, go in peace. And so what's the point of this, of this, um, of this story? I think part of it is to show that um, if we love Christ, love him a lot, and we have that faith, much will be forgiven, right? We'll be able to hear him say, thy sins are forgiven thee. But when we don't show that love, right, we don't have the, um, the uh, anointing, the, we don't anoint him with oil, give him the water, whatever that might relate in our lives, right? Then little will be forgiven. No, I think a big part that we always forget is just like last week when we read um, the come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, right? The first part is come unto me, right? We have to come unto Christ, right? To be able to have that power of, of forgiveness and, um, and that comes through his atonement. And so for just for our lives, right, where might we not be um, giving Christ the full attention or respect he deserves, right? Like sometimes we might let him in our heart, but what's our heart like when he's there, right? Are we ready to change? Are we ready, ready to listen to him? Are we ready to put everything on hold that he tells us to or to do what he tells us to, you know? Just some good self-reflective um, self -reflective story and see how we can uh, – improve ourselves. All right, so moving on, um, just real quick. So right after the last thing we talked about in the book, Jesus the Christ, James E. Talmadge goes on to um, talk more about how people will falsely assume that this woman is this person or that person or whoever, whoever it might be. And he goes to say, we don't have scriptural evidence for it. We don't, we, we just don't know. And I don't want to spend too much time on that. He spends a good like page and a half. Let's see. Yeah. Like shoot almost two pages. Well, more than two pages um, going into that. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, just, just know we don't know who she is. There's no scriptural, biblical authority to say who she is if she appears in later stories. Um, it's just not – we don't know. I don't think it's important. I think the important thing is to um, understand the significance of the story and how it can change us and how it can influence our lives. So I'm moving on to after after that. So um, throughout Christ's earthly, earthly ministry – um, he, he performed a lot of miracles, right? A lot of famous, like healing the blind, causing the deaf to hear, and raising the dead, healing sick, all this other stuff. Um, casting out, casting out demons, you know, um, to where everyone's a miracle, but it kind of seems for him just to be like another Tuesday, right? It's just, it's just what he did. Um, and these are things that even, even regarded as, as um, 
according to modern science, right, it's kind of extraordinary. Like modern science is amazing, right? We've been able to give people back their vision. We've been able to, you know, th just the medical field alone, let, let alone technology or whatnot, right? But even with all this amazing technology and medical stuff that we have, we still can't replicate what Christ was able to do. Um, for example, healing, like raising the dead, right? Or causing the blind to see. We can do some, but you can't cure all. Um, you can't cure all of blindness, right? There's some types of blindness. Like if your eyes are missing, then I they don't think you, they can they can fix them. Um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a medical professional there. Um, anyway, so he's done all these amazing things, right? Um, the healing diseases that at the time were thought to be incurable. Um, you know, casting out demons, which was one of the highest, um, hardest things to do in the in the Jewish culture. They just couldn't seem to get these darn demons to go away. Um, but he was able to do them. And all these amazing miracles, right, for some were the start of their testimony. But for the higher classes, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, and those, those people, it did nothing but just to increase their hostility towards the Savior. Like... I don't know. I, I feel like if you've been trying to do something your whole, like for generations and finally this guy comes around and is able to do them like what seems to be with ease, I might try to listen to him, right? But these Pharisees, they they don't want to admit that they're wrong. They don't want to admit that he's the son of God. They 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 want to cling on to their belief in any possible way. So, but how can he do this? How can he heal all these amazing, do all these amazing miracles, heal people, cast out demons, what whatnot? Well, this is what they came up with to make it so they can sleep better at night. And that is that he's in league with Satan. He's working through the power of Satan um, to to do all these things, to impress people, to lead them away. Um, and, and in the scriptures it says, by the power of Beelzebub. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's B-E-E-L-Z-E-B-U-B. -E -E Basically, it's another name for Satan, Lucifer, you know, Lucifer, whatever, whatever you want to call him. Um, they're like, he's in league with the devil. Um, and this was a very popular, um, popular thing to, to believe back then. It was, it was spreading around a lot, right? This is the explanation. Um, it's like the internet, right? Where everyone's like, look at this, and there's the two parts of the internet. It's like, oh, this is cool. Then the other part that's like, um, oh, it's so fake, and this is why it's like, like the whole like flat Earth debate. I guess, I guess that's a thing. I I didn't know, but people still think the Earth is flat. I guess. Um, anyway, I digress. And so this is becoming a big thing, and and uh, maybe because of it, um, maybe not wholly, but maybe had an influence on it. Um, Christ seems to have withdrawn from the more populated areas um, where there's a, a lot of people, and he starts teaching like the smaller, more rural parts of the town. Um, this might have been just to to get away from this higher ruling class that was always around spreading misinformation. So when he performs a miracle, they're not there to say, no, that's just the power of Satan and lead people away, right? Um, he also urges people that he does do miracles for to not spread his fame, right? Not to go around because, again, that's just going to cause more talk, more chance for these for these uh, Pharisees to uh, to spread this false lies in the legal Satan. Um, but um, 
and Matthew makes a good point. It's, it's really cool. Um, Matthew sees this, um, the refraining from spreading his fame, um, to in fulfillment of prophecy in, uh, from Isaiah, that the chosen Messiah would not um, preach and cry out in the streets for attention, um, nor would he use his mighty power to crush even a bruised reed, um, yada, yada, yada. And that's exactly what Christ did. You know, he didn't do anything for attention. He's like, well, don't spread my fame out. And if you want to get your word out, right? Like I found this out trying to get this podcast around. You don't say, hey, don't tell anyone about this podcast, okay? I want it to be big, but just don't tell anyone, right? That's that's not how that's, not, that's very bad networking, right? So he's not doing it for 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 um, attention, for publicity, right? And then what does it mean by the he wouldn't use his mighty power to crush even a bruised reed? Um, what was kind of shows or means is that Christ, um, the the way he treated with tender care, the weakest manifestation of faith um, or the desire to learn the truth, um, no matter if it was that Samaritan lady at the well or whoever it was, right? Even though he had all, like, he understood everything. Where he came found the Pharisees, he understood the scriptures. He had great power, great wealth of knowledge, right? He would not use it to crush these people, rather to help bring them up, right? Um. And so he's um, he's going about doing these miracles, not wanting people to to talk about it. And meanwhile, the Pharisees are, are spreading this uh, um, this false rumor that he's in the league with the devil. And so um, there's there's one time where he he's performing these these miracles, and it causes the people to say, "Is this not the son of David?" Or basically, is how can this not be? the Messiah, right? Look at what he's doing, right? Like this, this is the one, and this must've just really, really angered the, uh, um, this must've just really angered the Pharisees. They're like, no, <laughs> don't believe his lie. He's in league with Satan. Like don't follow him. Right. So angry. And so, um, they, they say that to the, to the people like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, right? And so Christ finally decides to take this, this rumor on head on, right? But instead of, like, getting angry and arguing, he just used calm, reserved, and sound logic, right? First, he, he, he states that a kingdom divided against itself cannot endure, right? Or a house divided cannot stand, right? It, it's the same principle. Um so if their assumption was at least a little bit true, um, Satan would be kind of fighting Satan through Jesus, right? And that just doesn't work, right? Um, it's not, we can't play like five-dimensional chess here, right? If you're fighting against yourself, you're fighting against yourself, and it does not stand, right? Um, but then he says, uh, if I cast out Beelzebub by devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Um, and then he, he contrasts that to make it a little bit clearer. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto, come unto you. Um, and here's, here's what I think, here's what I think he, he's trying to say. And this is just what I got from it. If I'm casting out these, these, um, 
demons by the power of the devil, right? And it's working. Then who are you trying to cast out? Like who who are you casting out these devils in the name of? Because it's not been working for you, right? It, it just hasn't been working. But if I'm casting out by God, right, then what I say is true and the kingdom of God is upon you. And so um, he's just pointing out the very, the, he's making Swiss cheese of their argument, right? Just pointing out all the different holes in it, right? Um, and then he, he continues to, uh, to go along with the illusion. He says, um, or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, or basically steal his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then will he spoil his house, right? Or basically what he's saying is if you're going to go rob a house and there's this really big, tough guy in there, how can you rob a guy's house if he's awake trying to stop you, right? you got to take care of him, and then you got to rob him, right? Um, then you can rob him, right? So it's going to sound kind of funny to relate him to this, but Christ, he's the thief. Right, and he's robbing the house of Satan. Right, he's working against the house of Satan. So how could he? How could he do this unless he had first overcome um, um, Satan himself? Right. But again, right. Um, how can the devil fight himself? Right, fight against himself. It's just it's just counterproductive. Right, it just it just does not work. Um, And so he, he just again just pointing out pointing out the flaws flaws in their logic logic, um, and then I'm just gonna read straight out of the book because I think it's right. James E. Talmadge makes points this out, um, just showing you know the the um, the the insanity of their claim. He says that um, James E. Talmadge says he had proved to them on their own basis on the basis of their own proposition that he having subdued subdued Satan was the embodiment of the spirit of God and that through him, the kingdom of God was brought to them. They rejected the spirit of God and sought to destroy the Christ through whom the spirit was made manifest. What blasphemy could be greater, right? Um, or basically using their own logic, he disproves this, this whole thing and saying you're black, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting against the Holy spirit, Right. You guys who are so scared to speak blasphemy, right, are doing like one of the largest, the largest form of blasphemy, speaking out against God, speaking against the Holy Ghost. Um, and so just just showing out, just pointing out their own blasphemy in the statement. And like like Christ always does, he, he always reproves these Pharisees with sharpness, right? Just Just fearlessly denouncing denouncing their their sin and their their uh, their corrupt ways of thinking and so then he continues to say um i say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the holy ghost shall not be forgiven unto men and whosoever speaketh the word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him but whosoever speaketh against the holy ghost it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither the world to come and so um, there's a couple cool things in in this that I wanted to point out. The first off is uh, it shows how merciful Christ is, right? He says, um, whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, or if you fight against me, it shall be forgiven you, right? But whosoever speaks against, you know, the Holy Ghost, yada, yada, yada. It shows how merciful Christ is that 
even if you work fight against him, you you will still be forgiven. The sins and everything he knows he's gonna pay for. He will forgive you for for sinning against him, right? Um but so what does he mean by by speaking against the Holy Ghost? And so we really have to dive into to see what the different roles of the Holy Ghost are. Um biggest ones to testify of truth, right? The Spirit's how we testify of truth, you know, it's how we will know all things. Um, the Spirit has a lot of other gifts, but that's its main thing. We can know the truthness of all things like the Spirit, like I said. And so what's it what's it mean to speak out against the Holy Ghost? I don't think he's saying Sometimes we think we'll get an impression and be like, oh, was that the Holy Ghost telling me to do something? Well, I don't know. And then, like, maybe you've seen someone, like, struggle with their groceries. Like, should I go over and help them? Was that the Spirit? I don't know. And they're, by the time you, like, get over this argument with yourself, the, the opportunity is gone, right? God, Do you think God's going to be like, you fought against the Holy Ghost but not helping that lady with her groceries? Oh, man, sorry. That's unforgivable, right? <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about testifying, he's working against the Holy Ghost as far as testifying of truth, right? If if you if you get the um if you get the power, the understanding, and the truth that comes from the Holy Ghost, that witness to you, you 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 know the truthness of these things, right? And then you deny it, even though you know they're true, right? Is there any really hope for you at that point? You have truth. You know that it's true, but you still fight against it for what? Pride? Right? That's what's not going to be forgiven. Um, and that's kind of what they're doing, right? He's like, I'm showing you these things. You're not believing them. You're, 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 you're resorting to false logic to try and, to try and explain these things. It doesn't work. And so... I'm just just calling them out, calling them out on that, and so I, I thought it was really cool. Just this whole this whole um, uh, um, conversation between Christ and and the and the Pharisees, what it means, some insights from it. Well, that will be all for today. Um, we didn't quite finish chapter eighteen. We only got one little section left, but. Um, we will get to that next week, and I look forward to then. Until then, have a great time. Um, keep reading. Keep learning more about our Savior, and I look forward to talking to you next week. This has been another episode of Light of the World in Focus.